and welcome back to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And we're delighted to be back with you. Yay! Chambers, how long has it been? Oh, so long. I think uh, you've counted the days. 218 days since our last podcast. So thank you so much to everybody who's coming back to join us. We didn't really intend to take this time out, but I think I put on social media, we'd take a couple of weeks off. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. But yeah, we lost track of time over the winter. Let's just say that. <laughs> we had a big journey to go on, didn't we, Michelle? Yes, yes, we have had a big journey, but everything is coming right now and we're ready to get back into it and we've got some exciting stuff happening. Yeah, and yeah. it's great to be back. Yeah, it's great to see you. Well, obviously, I've seen you and spoken to you a lot in the last 218 days, but this is the first time we've been podcasting together again. So, yeah, it's very exciting to be back. But one thing I just wanted to cover off, our last interview was with Deb Summers from ID Tours and the New Zealand Cruise Association. And I just wanted to acknowledge the passing of her beloved husband and much-loved industry icon Brendan Pope on the 19th of July. And um, a huge number of his industry friends got together to celebrate his life and send him off in style, which is probably just the way that he wanted it. And there was a lot of Brendan in the service. It was a really lovely celebration of his life, but just wanted to acknowledge that and send all of our love to Deb's Ivy and the rest of their whanau. Yeah. Yep. Big love. So what's been going on with you, Chambers? How, like, we're back in lockdown. Well, we're not. We're out. But um, our friends in Auckland have another week to go. Hopefully that's all it's going to be. Hopefully. Hopefully if everybody stays up there, unlike some people that have been sneaking out. Yeah, lockdown. Wow. Who would have thought we were loving having our freedom and then, yeah, straight back into it. And it was a bit of a shock. I think we all thought we were only going to have a few days to start with on the South Island. (laughs) We did because I was there. I was on my way to your place. I was like, come and stay. We'll be out of it in a couple of days. We'd had one day skiing and and then it was that afternoon we or that evening we got put into lockdown. So yeah, huge shock. And I think it's been pretty tough this time around, would you say? How, How have you found it? Yeah, Uh, To be honest, it was super hard this time around. I think there's been, you know, a lot of chat about lockdown fatigue and and resilience and resilience fatigue. You know, you're really trying to balance everything. You're trying to balance your job, your work. You're trying to make sure that your staff are looked after. It's tough. And when we first went into lockdown, I have to be honest, those first two days, what were they? Thursday, Friday or Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because first of all, we were looking at the most beautiful powder day. Yes. None of us could get to. Oh. Oh. And then I'm trying to work out where, like, you know, where you guys were going to end up and how long this was going to be and all those kind of things. And then, so I didn't even touch work. I didn't even, I just, yeah, I just didn't even go close to it. And I think my boss, Adam, realized and soon worked in a nine o'clock uh, scheduled meeting with myself <laughs> and a couple of others to make sure we were on track from then on. So, but yeah, real tough, real tough. And, you know, the domestic market, that's been great. It was great to start seeing it building and we were getting regular bookings and having regular communication, a bit of cross-selling going on. It was awesome. And of course that stopped. And since this lockdown and when we finished this lockdown and hopefully it's before the school holidays, although I'm not holding my breath on that one. Mm-hmm. 
it's just it's going to be different it's not like the domestic market when it bounced back after the lockdown before you know like when everybody yeah. could wait to get out and we still had some international travelers around that's not the case it's it's pure domestic market now and although that said and done I'm still getting inquiries and we're still getting bookings, be it small and slow, but the Kiwis are being great. They're really being, and they, and they do want to get out and they do want to spend and it's been awesome. So, yeah, yeah. that's great to hear. And have you had many South Islanders floating around? Are you noticing them driving yeah. around at the moment since we've been let out and gone to yeah. Yeah, quite a few. We've got quite a few of those floating around. We've got a few Wellingtonians, which is great. And it's quite funny. I took a booking for a couple on the 24th of September and they were telling me they're going to fly into Queenstown and I just couldn't help myself. I was like, oh, flying from where? And they're flying from Tauranga. So, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you're policing that for us. <laughs> Uh, anyway but yeah so mental health I guess we've been trying to look after that really haven't we and for me I I know you've been busy exercising Michelle yes I have been I've got into my running so yeah doing some pbs which have been great and running about 20ks a week at minimum so that's great it makes a huge difference doesn't it obviously we took time out at the start of the year because I had a bit of a health scare so and I think that's that's fairly common knowledge but it just makes you really evaluate what's important to you and where you put your priorities and for me here I was thinking I just need a week after surgery to get back to normal and well it's taken way longer than that but it's also bought me the time to actually really focus on those priorities and as you say I'm exercising I've got into Pilates and it's great and I feel great and I think even though I've found this lockdown a lot harder in different ways I've still enjoyed having that space and making the time in my day to get out and do my exercise and just connect with nature and breathe in the fresh air and all those sorts of things and and it's nice because I think back to last year in lockdown and we were were doing zoom drinks nearly every night I was just going to say it was a lot of drinking So it's completely different this time, but yeah, we just hope that everybody out there is doing okay and, you know, just check in with one another and feel free to drop us a line at any time because, you know, always up for a chat as well. So just know that it's been tough for a lot of our listeners and hopefully we'll sort of all get vaccinated and let out and we'll get on our pathway to reconnecting New Zealand at some point in the not too distant future. Goodness, we won't know ourselves when it comes to that point, will we? I mean, how lucky were we, though, that we managed to sneak in the Tourism Export Council um, conference just before lockdown? So, and wasn't that just great catching up with all of those industry people? At yeah, that event? it was. Yeah. Uh, there's always so much energy in the room when tourism people get together. And that's <laughs> what I really enjoyed about it. And because we'd missed the conference last year, obviously, with COVID, but mm-hmm. this year it was the 50th celebration of the Tourism Export Council. And we had a wonderful time in New Plymouth. So, thank you very much, New Plymouth, for hosting us and turning it on. And yeah. Didn't they just, didn't they just, yeah. we had a great walk around Taranaki, didn't we? Didn't we? Yes. Yep. And the oh. Moonga came out to play just at the right time for our photos, which I think all of the people who stayed in town were pretty jealous about because <laughs> it wasn't that nice a day, but we were just in the right spot at the right time. 
It's all about the photo, Michelle. It is. As, yes. yes. I know a lot of people did um, have a bit of a go at me saying that I'd used a poster, but no, it's all real. There was no green screen, no special effects. That was Taranaki, the mountain behind us. So <laughs> anyway, back to the show. We've been busy planning this relaunch for quite some time now, and it's really exciting to have an incredible series of interviews lined up for our listeners over the next wee while. And we've decided to focus on the New Zealand Tourism Awards for 2021. So it's a pretty ambitious challenge, but we are going to interview all of the finalists for you to hear about what it takes to create and manage an award-winning business and what it will mean for each of them to take home top honours on the night. Yes, and what a great couple of shows it's going to be, eh? Yes, absolutely. Now, we must disclose first and foremost that we are in no way associated with the New Zealand Tourism Awards. I just want to get that in there just in case. We're not sponsors or judges, although I'd love to be a judge. So if anybody's listening and they need a judge, (laughs) feel free to give me a call. I think it would be great. Great judge. (laughs) But rather, we're just really interested industry colleagues who wanted to help share their stories. And we think the accolade of being finalists in the New Zealand Tourism awards are is fantastic and just wanted to give them a little bit of publicity really so absolutely and even being with the biggest um amount of entries as well this year really yeah. is amazing. so absolutely. and and there's um certainly a theme running through some of these interviews already and a lot of it's about doing it for the team right so yes. and they're and they're far now within their companies and so this is really cool and yeah. really a lot to them yeah, yeah definitely so it's great to celebrate them. So, so today we start with the two finalists. First up is an individual award finalist, Eve Lawrence from the Hucker Tourism Group. And Eve, she's a passionate and empathetic leader. And before her first foray into pure tourism with Hucker Tourism Group, she spent almost 18 years building a successful career in the business events and incentive travel industry. Most recently, with four years as events and key account director at CI events, part of Flight Centre Travel Group. And most notably, she spent 10 years on the events team with Glastonbury Festival, the world's largest greenfield festival. Eve started with Hucker in February 2020, five weeks before our first COVID lockdown, and has created quite a profile for herself over this time, both internally and externally within the tourism industry. Eve's hobbies and loves are mostly associated with the water, spearfishing, free diving, and any form of boating. Eve is a finalist in the Merging Tourism Leader Award, and we have no doubt you'll enjoy her perspective on the industry and leadership. Yeah, it's a great interview. And then following on from Eve, we welcome Heidi Farron and Nigel Hobbs from Altitude Tours in Queenstown. So Nigel has been at the forefront of the adventure tourism industry, directing sales and marketing teams and supporting new business startups within the AJ Hackett group of companies for over 20 years with sites based in New Zealand, Australia, Kuala Lumpur, Indonesia, Macau, Singapore, Russia and France. So in 2008, 
2018, Nigel resigned from AJ Hackett International as Chief Marketing Officer to focus specifically on taking the company through a global brand refresh and digital transformation in a consultancy role and allowing him to focus on his own travel and tourism businesses. He's a founder, investor and director of multiple tourism businesses through New Zealand and Australia and holds board roles for AJ Hackett International and his own group of companies. Nigel's really passionate about developing and creating world-class innovative products and services. He's a huge proponent of personalizing the ordinary and systemizing the extraordinary, which he applies to all aspects of business, especially the customer journey. Wow. And then we have Heidi. After studying adventure tourism in Queenstown, Heidi launched her tourism career as a frontline guide in the Wakatipu region. Working for Water Sports Queenstown, Dart River, and Serious Fun River Surfing before buying into an established bike rental business in central Queenstown. Having worked in a family business from a young age, Heidi's always had an entrepreneurial flair and the goal of being involved in her own business or businesses. After running and growing the bike rental business, she successfully exited in 2016. In 2017, Heidi co-founded Altitude Tours, a Queenstown-based wine tour, sightseeing, private charter and transport business, and has taken the company through rapid growth, experiencing a year-on-year double-digit growth. In 2019, Heidi spearheaded the acquisition of two long-term existing tourism companies, one operating into Milford Sound that is now under the Altitude Tours brand and one in the luxury travel sector, Black ZQN. Heidi is the current general manager of her own business, overseeing the daily operations and future growth with a focus on high level company and personal performance. So you can see just by reading those bios there that we have a really high caliber of interviewees that we're we're talking to and this will be the case over the next five or six weeks so we're really excited about that and don't forget we also have a wonderful competition for our listeners thanks to Heidi and Nigel and Altitude Tours and this prize is for two people to experience their world famous wine sampler wine tour in Queenstown valued at $378 so this tour was judged the world's best wine tour 2020 2021 by TripAdvisor, best of the best awards and the fourth best activity and tour in all of New Zealand. So this is one you don't want to miss out on. It's an Instagram competition. So head over to our Instagram page now to enter. It's destinate underscore nz if you can't find that go to our website destinatenz.com and just follow the links to instagram but now sit back relax and enjoy the episode kakite kakite now very big welcome to nigel hobson heidi farron from altitude towards in queenstown who are finalists in the nz me visitor experience tourism award kia ora heidi and nigel Kia ora, how are you? Kia ora. How are you guys going? Yeah, we're great, thank you. We're, it's nice to be back in the office together. Yes, aren't we lucky? Yeah, we sure are. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's been strange this whole second lockdown, so coming to the office is a real treat. Isn't it? Yeah, we've heard that a few times actually. So, hey guys, I'm going to get you to tell us a bit about Altitude Tours. Awesome. So uh, we co-founded Altitude Tours back in August 2017. 
so just over four years ago. And uh, I drove the very first wine tour and we had basically a month of just operating a wine tour. Uh, and then from there, over the last four years, we have grown it from uh, myself and one other staff member with Nigel supporting me uh, into operating seven daily departure tours, a, a team and a fleet of 20 staff and 10 vehicles. Wow, brilliant. So what kind of tours do you guys do? Uh, well, we specialise in small group touring, essentially. So mm -hmm. we take people wine touring into the Gibson Valley area on half-day wine tours, which incidentally, we were just awarded the world's best wine experience through TripAdvisor. The only New Zealand tourism operated to win a, a global award, which was pretty cool. We take people into central Otago, which is uh, further, more like a full day wine experience with uh, five locations, wonderful food. We created this tour called the Wine and Craft Beer Tour, which is a twilight experience, which takes people late afternoon to the early evening where they can choose wine or beer. So a great one for people that uh, where one partner might like beer and one might like wine. And you can pick and choose. So it's perfect for you, Michelle. Um, perfect, yes. <laughs> and um, we take people into Glenorchy and Paradise on half-day sightseeing tours with a real Kiwi theme to it. We take people on daily tours into Milford Sound from Queenstown on a 13-hour return trip, which includes, of course, a boat cruise in Milford. Mm -hmm. uh, options to fly back by fixed wing, um, aeroplane or helicopter. We take people to Mount Cook from Queenstown on day tours. We do sightseeing around the basin tours, uh, and we do lots of stuff with uh, the conference centre market and transport. So it's quite diverse, the mm -hmm. offering. And, uh, and we're continuing to sort of create new tours. And even today, we were talking about a new eco tour, something new for Queenstown that really bridges the gap between guests and local community. Mm -hmm. Really trying to hone in on that sort of experience, because this is what we're hearing from Tourism New Zealand, and the future of tourism has got to be a lot more authentic and personalised. So... We're on a bit of a mission to create the world's best small group touring company. Brilliant. And you're certainly in a, a pretty special part of New Zealand to be able to do that. And it sounds like you've got a great variety of tours as well. But what is it that makes your visitor experience so special? Well, right from when we started uh, the company, we didn't want to just start a company that did tours the same as everything else that was on the market. So um, we spent a bit of time doing, you know, R&D as you do and looking at what was on offer. And we only, throughout the process of starting every tour, committed to actually starting it if we believed that we could do something different and unique. So I guess the main part of that is throughout the tour, the main focus, our tours are incredibly customer-centric. So at every opportunity, we have tried to add value or do things a little bit differently so that the customers are getting wowed throughout the experience. So an example of that is uh, on our wine tours, or actually across all of our tours, sorry, we have dropped down TV screens in the vans and think Air New Zealand style safety videos. So we uh, scripted, created and scripted our own Air New Zealand style uh, videos that play uh, throughout the tour at varying times and they're a mix of sort of fun and educational so they set the tone for the tour they um, always crack a few jokes and <clears throat> make people laugh um, but they're also educational at the same time cool that sounds like fun 
Yeah, good on you. And how do you involve your team in developing these different visitor experiences? Uh, I'm actually looking at something right now which answers that question really well. So we, we believe in order to be able to deliver really amazing tours, the guides ultimately have to have to have the skills and the tools to be able to do it. So we spend quite a bit of time on training and, and making sure that they're delivering a unique experience. And just, you can't see it, but just on the back wall here, we have all our framed certificates from a wine accreditation course that we created specifically for our wine guides. Mm, so all right. We identified that in order, if you say you've got the world's best wine tour, even though we never used to say that, <laughs> we wanted to make sure that actually they understood the history of wine, wine in the world, wine in New Zealand, wine in central Otago. And then they also understood how to host people, so how to read people. Mm. Because you, you get in situations where you might have a group and some of them are really fascinated with wine and some of them are more there just for the day out. And you've mm-hmm. got to be very careful to know how to tune the trip so both of them are getting what they want. So it's a two-day, fully immersive, uh, theory-based learning with tests and then a practical examination where they've actually got to host and they actually have to do blind tastings and they actually have to hold conversation and entertain while we actually internally with, with an external accreditor actually judge them. So we built this whole module specifically for altitude tours so that we knew our wine guides actually had the expertise to be able to deliver this out with people. And so that's just one example of how we engage our staff to make sure that you know, they're, they're as good as they can be. Mm, that's incredible and we also like with the guides we have very much an open door policy so we encourage them to get involved with decision making and feedback whether that's through like an anonymous monthly survey or at our monthly staff meetings so we're always asking our team what can we be doing better or do you have any ideas or we're thinking of this what do you guys think so we've definitely include them in a lot of the decision making and we're also very conscious that the guides are really what makes the experience so Mm. it's not actually the award for the world's best wine tour really even though it's amazing for the company to get it it's really thanks to the guides that we get that so they really are the forefront and the most integral part of the business and that's not just in wine that's Milford Sound, Mount Cook, sightseeing tours that's across the whole business, private tours. Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like a really incredible team. So how do you go about recruiting for those kind of people and and to ensure that you've got the right mix in your team? Yeah, it's um, a good question. It's funny. I am sort of quite casual with my approach in some regards and that I, the first thing I like to do is have a coffee with people, not actually interview them because I think that that's when you really uh, find out their true colours and you get a sense of, you know, who the person really is. But we've actually been really fortunate with the growth and the evolution of the company that we've actually had a lot of people come to us and say, you know, and actually, so it's not necessarily that we've had to advertise for guides. It's more been the other way around where people have come to us and said, oh, we, we hear you may be looking in the near future or if you are looking in the near future, we see what you're doing and we'd love to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cool. Well, I guess even though you've been fortunate, you must have connected with these people and that's why they've ended up connecting with your values and how you've ended up with such a great team. So what's the biggest challenge you guys face in delivering a world-class visitor experience every day? 
Well, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I think consistency of delivery, it, it would have to sit at the very top because no matter what we come up with or the mad ideas that we think of, you, you know, you've got to really make sure that it's being delivered. And so I think that's a day-to-day challenge that you've got to sort of keep on top of. And we do that by all of the management team. Uh, we go out on tours. So we actually get back inside the products so we can actually view them and make sure that they're being delivered. Our operations manager, one of the main roles that they have is to make sure that all the things that we've created continue through and don't just start falling out. So I think that's one of the challenges. If you, when you set up a really uh, complex or exceptional visitor experience, there's, there's actually lots of detail that goes into it. And so you've got to make sure that you give time for new guides to be able to learn all of that stuff and then make sure older guides are not forgetting some of the stuff and sort of starting to do what they want to do. So I think it's just constantly keeping on, t- on top of that so that you can be confident that everyone's getting a wonderful experience. And I think to talk to that as well, that a lot of it comes down to team culture, because if your team are happy, then they're going to give deliver a better experience to customers day in and day out. Whereas if someone's feeling miserable or unhappy or disgruntled about something, it's really hard for that uh, for them to not have that creep into part of their guiding or the tour so Mm. ensuring that if anything does come about that it's it's handled swiftly and quickly and that we sort of do our best to keep everyone happy and make sure that everybody's actually enjoying their job and they're not getting sick of delivering tours day in day out and something that's really as the company's grown by having uh, more diversity in tours the guides have really enjoyed that because mm. if you were doing one wine tour or one Milford tour five days a week it, it can become pretty easy to get a bit bored and stale in your job whereas mm. if you're doing a lot of variety it keeps it fresh and exciting yeah definitely it must be nice for them to have that flexibility and variety in their day-to-day work so why did you guys enter the tourism awards and how have you found the process uh, we entered the Tourism Awards because we, we, we felt we were doing something pretty good. And we, when we read the criteria, we actually thought that we met the question. So we decided that before we would enter the awards, we'd actually be quite objective and have a look at them and say, have we really got the right sort of answers to substantiate an entry? Mm-hmm. And so we had to convince each other with a bit of sort of role play backwards and forwards. And then we gr- agreed if we both thought that we had enough substance, then we would enter and when we read the questions, we knew straight away. Like within 60 seconds, we were like, we absolutely can do this. Yeah. And as a new company, it's really good uh, profile for us, for us as well. You know, we're still uh, introducing ourselves to the inbound market. You know, we've still got a long way to complete all our sales distribution channels. Mm-hmm. So what better way than to actually put yourself forward for the tourism award? And then you can actually then walk into some of these places, open a few more doors and, they, and they, I think it's going to give us a better opportunity to talk to some of the bigger players. Mm. And, and so that was also a strategic reason for doing it. And also for our own staff here, for them to be recognised. Mm. Really cool that you work for a tourism company that's a finalist and who knows if we managed to take it out and win it. I think there's a, in a really hard year through COVID, I think there's, it's a really nice way to be able to celebrate internally that, hey, we are on the right path. Because sometimes it can be pretty easy to become disheartened whether 
you're a manager owner or whether you're actually out there on the front line with no work like right now we feel really we feel for our guides you know a lot of these guys are going to struggle for the next three to four months they're not going to get a lot of work nobody knows if the wage subsidy will continue mm -hmm. so you've got to find ways to top them up and say no hang in there we will be okay so yeah. so the tourism will ticks all those boxes for us yeah wow yeah, that's so true. And so I guess really, I, you've kind of alluded to a few an answer to the next question, but what would it really mean for you and for the team if you were to win? Oh, I think we'd be super proud. The thing would be like, I think, you know, we started the company four years ago and we, we've moved really quickly, we've worked really hard. And I've been involved in tourism for 20 years and I've been inside companies that have won tourism awards. But they've always been quite well-established companies and, 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 and I never founded those companies. So for us to do it as founders and build it from the ground up and to be able to be judged to be a leading tourism activity operator, I, I'd just be uh, totally proud. Yeah, and we're just super proud to be finalists. You know, we, we put the entry in, like we're really proud internally of what we do and we felt like we were on a pretty good path, albeit a bit of a bumpy one with COVID, <laughs> but to actually just even find out that we were in the top four, you know, that's something that we've really celebrated. So, I mean, regardless of whether we win or not, we're super proud, but certainly winning would be the icing on the cake. Yeah, nice. yeah, good on you. It is, I mean, it's a huge achievement because I know I've worked for businesses over the years that have been finalists and some have won and some haven't, but it is, it's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes and even getting your entry in. So well done to you guys and to be finalists, you know, after only what four or five years in business is incredible. That's really, really well done. So congratulations. Yeah, just to answer your question also, the process around entering is really streamlined yeah Re really easy i think back i remember some time ago that there would actually be quite a lot of effort coming into the presentation of these awards and it really took it took it away from the small to medium size operator it was just too difficult mm -hmm. so i think what the, the way it's set up now is really clever because you've got to be concise and and you've got to provide some some evidence and i think it's a much fairer playing field the way it's been set up yeah. So, so I think that, and I believe I read that there's been a record number of entries. That has. Year. And so that, I think that's testament to that as well. So I think they've got it right. Yeah. Great. This was, they had over a thousand entries this year, which is the biggest ever. Yeah. yeah right. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what a great, like you said, just being a finalist is actually an accolade in itself. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So back to visitor experience. What do you think visitors and guests look for when they're choosing a tourism experience? Well, we but the type of customer that we have is looking is actually not looking for best price. Mm -hmm. They're actually looking for best product. Yep. And, with, and we believe the customers that come out with us have done their research and they would rather be on a small group, well put together, you know authentic experience rather than something where they can get a great deal on there is a market for that and i understand that but we've really just focused in on the other side of it which is people that really want to go out and have a memorable day and are willing to pay 20 or 30 dollars extra to, to do that and we've actually found the more we've educated our supply chain on what we do it's actually almost an easier sell for them and the fact that we price above everyone else is actually becoming uh, a key selling point for us. 
because, you know, you're buying the quality product. We actually don't want to price ourselves down and discount down where everybody else does because it, it, then, it then makes it too comparable. Yeah. So that, that's definitely something which has worked in our favour. Yeah. yeah, and we also have, like, we back ourselves that the unique selling points of our, our brand, the experience, the tours, justify that price and people will feel like even though they're perhaps paying a little more, that they're still getting really good value out of the experience. And we also, with Milford in particular, you know, we're one of the few small group operators and that was a, a huge point of difference from the get-go, but particularly now in, a, in you know, this post-COVID world, <laughs> whatever that may look like, yeah. people are going to be a lot more conscious about the way they travel. And so the fact that we focus and we only do small group travel, that automatically makes the visitor experience so much better from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We talk a lot about that engagement that you're able to have with customers when you're in a smaller group. And I think, and you alluded to it earlier, that it's really about the guides and the experience with them. So the more interaction your guests have with your guides, well, the better that experience is, isn't it? Because the scenery is the scenery and it's spectacular and we know that, but the icing on the top is that extra piece that you can't really put into words sometimes mm. yeah absolutely and we've always said we, we don't employ drivers we employ guides yes and there's a big difference between a driver and a guide and particularly on sometimes not so much on the half day but particularly on full day experiences you know our guides they'll know the name well on all tours they'll know the name of everybody but particularly on those full days experiences like Milford they'll know where they come from their story and a lot of them keep in touch with some clients outside of the tour and some have even gone and stayed with customers that were on their tours in other parts of the country or the world because oh, wow. they've connected that well throughout the tour that they've actually built a friendship oh cool that's nice. really nice well, that wraps up our questions for today. So Heidi and Nigel, thank you so much for joining us. And we're wishing you all the very best of luck at the awards ceremony in Hamilton in November. We'll be cheering you on. And um, for our listeners out there, we do have an awesome competition coming up with a great prize for two people to experience the Altitude Tours world famous wine sampler wine tour. So head to our Instagram page, destinate underscore NZ to enter. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. A very warm welcome now to Eve Lawrence from the Hucker Tourism Group, who's a finalist in the Pata New Zealand Trust Emerging Tourism Leader Award. Kia ora, Eve, and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So firstly, congratulations on your finalist nomination. Can you start by telling us a little bit about how you got into tourism and how your career has taken off since then? It's a bit of a long story. How far do you want me to go back? <laughs> um, well, initially I started in business events industry working, well, at the time actually it was mass participation events. So I fell into a role at Glastonbury Festival on their event team, so seasonal, setting up the festival every year. Really loved the event scene. Uh, so then kind of went on into a more corporate role uh, for an events agency that specialised in incentive travel in the UK called BI Worldwide. Mm -hmm. Travel's always been 
a bit in my bones. I grew up all over the place because my dad was in the army. We went, we were lucky enough, fortunate enough to have holidays every year. So culture and holidays were top of the list for our family. Um, so yeah, I had a bit of a, a stint for corporate events. Came over to New Zealand in 2015. So just nearly six years ago now. Spent nearly four years with Flight Center as their event director and key account director for their um, event brand, CI Events. Mm-hmm. And then kind of just needed a, I just needed a change. I've been doing events for 16, nearly 17 years. And I just decided that I was really passionate about travel. I wanted to stay in the industry, but wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go. The role came up at Hucker. A friend of mine already worked for them as the brand and marketing manager. So she recommended I apply. Had a really informal 45-minute phone call with Ryan, who's a character, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. And nearly, well, a year and a half later, here we are. So, yeah, I started with them a month before the first lockdown. Oh, great timing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do you know what? It was, yeah, it was interesting. First foray into tourism first GM role, and then COVID comes along. So, <laughs> yeah, it was certainly a, a, an interesting few months, that first few months. Wow. wow. So on that note, then, what do you feel is one of your biggest achievements? Oh, do you know what? I think just getting through the last 18 months and the business is looking good. We're going to survive. We've kept, managed to keep a skeleton crew of staff. We've managed to keep quite a few of our tour guides on board. So I think really for us, it's just been about survival and ensuring the survival of our staff. So that's been a huge achievement for us over the last 18 months, cutting back where we needed to cut back and just making sure that we could keep those key people. It's not easy, no. Yeah, no, it's not. You've also become quite a voice of the industry through (laughs) lockdown. And I know, well, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but tell us a little (laughs) bit about how that came about and you know, how you found that process from going, you're basically a new entrant into the industry to suddenly on the news quite a lot. (laughs) I blame my partner. (laughs) We spent our original lockdown on a boat in the Bay of Islands. Okay. We were on the boat when we went into lockdown and we thought, oh, why don't we just stay here? Oh, wow. Over that time, as I'm sure you know, there's loads of confusion. Nobody really knew quite what was happening whole world's locked down everybody's like what is going on and listening to the 1pm updates every day just got really frustrating um not having any information and kind of not knowing how to move forward and my partner just said oh you should do like an open letter so I wrote this open letter LinkedIn post and it got like 50 and a half thousand connections and so many messages and that is how it all started and then the following day I got a phone call from Simon Bridges at the time mm-hmm who was obviously with the National Party. And he said, oh, we'd really like you to submit a response for the Epidemic Response Committee in May. Would you be interested? And I, was, I thought, oh, yeah, I would love to. Obviously, with a business that's operation, accommodation, and so many different sectors, yeah. I thought it would probably be quite a good um, company to have in the room. So I agreed and wrote a little speech. And that's kind of how it all started, really. It's all been a bit crazy. <laughs> Oh, perfect. So what do you love most about working in the tourism industry? You haven't been part of the industry through our best times, but I'm sure there's you're still here. So there's obviously parts that you still love. What is that? What I love most about our travel and tourism industry is people's willingness to help. And 
the collaboration factor from business to business. Doesn't matter whether you are rivals in business or competitors, people are just always there to help. And that's what I love most about it, the inclusiveness of everyone, really. Mm. I agree. I agree. It's so awesome, isn't it? Like over the last few months, I've had emails from all sorts of people, competitors, activity operators, all saying, what can we do to make this situation better? And it's just, yeah, it's amazing. It's that spirit that keeps us all going, I think. Yeah, I remember being in a room, it was a few years ago, and I can't actually remember who it was. And they basically challenged the industry and said how fragmented we were. I and remember I that. Think, yeah, do you remember that? And I think it's I, the last 18 months to me, we've really come together as an industry and that collaboration and the open discussions, we're suddenly having those really important discussions with each other to move things forward rather than we forget about who's a competitor and who's doing well or who's not doing well we, we are all in this together and it has been really nice to see that happen yeah absolutely I think we've probably pushed more forward in the last 18 months with collaboration from business and association than we have in the previous probably five to ten years to be honest and hopefully it continues yeah I hope so <laughs> yeah I think it will yeah, I think it will. I think we were really busy being busy before COVID. And this has given us an opportunity to take stock, as you say, work together, realise that collaboration is actually a bigger voice and it achieves more overall. So we need our competitors to be there when the borders open as much as we need to be there when the borders open, because that's what's going to attract people to New Zealand. And that's our biggest task next, isn't it, really? Yeah, 100%. And I think as well, having this time in order to educate our tourism ministers on the ecosystem that is tourism. I, people call it a sector. I never call it a sector. I call it an ecosystem because there's so many different sectors that sit underneath tourism. It's actually, you can't pull it all into one word, I don't think. It's yeah. Just- no, you're quite right. You're quite right. I like, I love that. Yeah. So you actually joined the tourism industry at the most challenging time. What maybe top three things that you've learned in the last 18 months that you can share with our listeners? Oh man, do you know what? It's just top three things. Top number one thing is I've learned a lot about mental health Mm -hmm. and not only from an internal perspective, but also in how to manage that with teams. Mm -hmm. Just been so important over the last 18 months. And particularly, I think this last lockdown has had even more of an effect on people. Yeah. Um, So that's definitely been a big learning. Also being my first kind of GM role it's it's been a massive learning curve no business forecasts to have zero revenue so in terms of strategies and discussing how to move forward and what we're going to do for in terms of marketing do we just stop it all do we keep stuff going so I've learned a lot in that space because marketing was never my forte pre pre-covid anyway third thing <laughs> resiliency <laughs> how resilient are we like it's ridiculous I've definitely, definitely learned that doesn't matter what happens, as long as you kind of remain focused, stay positive, then, you know, resiliency comes as kind of a second degree. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And mental health is definitely being shared with other operators and hundred percent. And you're right. This second lockdown, I mean, even I found it myself, I was I had the first two days where I was utterly fatigued. I didn't want to see work. I didn't want to hear about it. I just had to focus on the fact that we were even in a lockdown again. It was like, oh my mm. God, here we go. I know. I've been the same. And I've had days where I wake up in the morning and I just feel so unmotivated. 
that it's just been, oh yeah, it has been a challenge this one. And I don't think we're alone. I think it's been industry-wide and not just tourism either. I think everybody's yeah. pretty over it. I mean, we understand why we need to do it, but it's just, just seems mm. tedious at this point. Yeah, we were talking about it the other day, saying that I think last year, because the whole world was in lockdown, it, it kind of felt okay, we had this solidarity with everybody around the world and we we're all staying home and we all needed to beat it. And now, and you you guys will know this better than anybody with family overseas, but, you know, they're now starting to go to Europe and the Greek islands for holidays out of England and and here we are in lockdown again. It's like, how did this happen? And I know. So but depressing. It, I know. And have you heard the latest news? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. The latest was that, we won't have a trans-Tasman bubble. Oh. Australia are now just going to be pulled in with the reconnecting New Zealand to the world strategy. I know, Eve, I got that email from the Tourism Export Council and literally cried because mum yeah. and dad are in Brisbane and this is our Christmas at home. And I was literally just sitting here going, yeah, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> it's just, I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I could have thrown my computer out of my window. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, it's just crazy. So how do you manage your professional development and upskilling? Well, in normal circumstances, you needed a tiny bit of capital to do that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, I mean, I do sign up to lots of newsletters, particularly in areas that I'm not, um, not fond of, but not particularly upskilled in. So marketing and advertising being, being two of those specific areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, newsletters, webinars, catching up with colleagues. I mean, Ryan is part of the Entrepreneurs' Organisation, so I catch up with him. We chat every week to kind of go through various bits and pieces. But my main source of info right now is webinars. Mm-hmm. I mean, normal circumstances, uh, I would probably go on a few courses, do a digital marketing course and all that stuff, but capital right now is, is tight, so webinars on the way forward <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. yeah i'm pulling on people you know like we know so many people yeah marketing agencies ad agencies rtos so yeah i mean just if you're not sure i always just give someone a call and say look what am i supposed to do here i don't know yeah <laughs> I think that is one of the great things, particularly about our industry. And I mean, I've been lucky. I've pretty much only worked in tourism. I had a few years in pharmaceuticals when I was young. But yeah, it is nice. You can just pick up the phone and ask people and there doesn't people don't protect their IP as much I don't find in in the tourism industry so we're quite happy to share with each other and see other people succeed and grow. Mm. yeah 100% and and it comes back to that inclusiveness right yeah yeah I think we're good at that we're very good at that yeah yeah so what tips would you have for other emerging leaders don't be afraid (laughs) to say what you feel (laughs) that's my number one tip I think you've definitely displayed that yep (laughs) I think it's important as well because it encourages Yes, you're not, people are not always going to agree with you, but I think it encourages debate and conversation. And from some of my posts, I've actually learned things that I never would have learned had I not posted about a certain subject. So yeah. I think what's really important is to, to always feel like you can speak out, whether that's publicly or just asking a question if you don't know the answer. For me, that's a, that's a really important one. And fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that one. 
confidence is key. And if you don't <laughs> feel it, just fake it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I do like what you say, though, about having the courage to say what you feel, because I think I had, I've seen a lot of your LinkedIn posts and you see the debate that that creates. And I think one thing you've done really well is kept that very respectful at all times and I can't say that all of the responses you've received have been like that at times but that's what it's about right it's it's about having that respectful conversation and debate to say well this is what I'm thinking what other solutions are there or what other views do people have and you do learn from that yeah exactly and it encourages actual contribution rather than people just going oh well you know it is what it is yeah, yeah, but how do we get out of it? How do we move forward? What's the strategy? Even with things like vaccine rollouts, like battling, are we able to mandate this for staff? But we're going to have to mandate this for staff. Mm, yeah. Post out and see what other people think. I think it's yeah. really important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, this is like the standard job interview question. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Oh, Lord. <laughs> that was an interesting one. I've not been in tourism a huge amount of time, so I'd, I want to commit a good chunk of time to Hucker and growing that business. We've got some exciting things in the pipeline that we'll be able to share next year. Um, so who knows? I mean, in five years' time, Ryan might be so fed up, he might exit stage left and need a CEO. So that's where my eyes are heading right now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Ryan. Ryan, yeah, I got that one. <laughs> Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> the exit's on the left, Ryan. On the left. Yeah. yeah well, you know what it's like, especially at the moment, running and owning a business must be incredibly stressful. Oh yes, hundred yeah. percent. Mm. Having all of those assets up against your own personal accounts and assets must be just oh, must be tearing his hair out right now. Well, I know he is. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a lot of um, weight to carry on your shoulders, isn't it? When there's, as you say, there's no real, when there's a little bit of a light, but then we felt like we had a light with a trans-Tasman bubble that got turned off and now we're looking at it not reopening and we've got this reconnecting New Zealand strategy, which again, one minister's telling us it's, that's what it is. Another one's saying that we'll have to start again because of Delta. And I mean, we just know further along really. So it's, yeah, it must be incredibly stressful for, for all the business owners out there. There's, I hate to say it, but we've been harping on about this for a year and a half, but there's still no plan. And that's the hardest thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> they throw out this strategy, but there's nothing behind it. There's no substance. There's no, we don't understand what that's going to actually look like. Oh, sometimes. Well, there's no goals yeah. to reach oh. for. It's just like we, when we get to this random number that we're not prepared to tell you what it is, we might do this, but... But hey, we're going to lock down for two weeks. Yeah. And when you set a strategy for your business, you put measurable, attainable targets in place. Exactly. You don't just open for interpretation. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's crazy. It really is. I mean, you give it a fancy title, reconnecting New Zealand to the world. Yeah. When now? 2023, 2024? Like, when is that actually going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Measurable targets for us to actually work towards. I'd like yeah. to have a bit more involvement in the regenerative and sustainability space moving forward as well that would be another aim yeah that's obviously a big talking point at the moment it is yes and I think it's a really important one going forward so yeah it'd be great to see you involved in that yeah Yeah. watch this space 
we awesome. will we will <laughs> so on that note eve thanks so much for joining us today we wish you the all the luck in the world for the tourism awards in november and we'll definitely be catching up with you sometime afterwards and see how you got on yes we'll have a wine thank you ladies <laughs> thanks for joining us eve